910 Ministries podcast, No Trash, Just Truth. Proverbs 910 Ministries, we are dedicated to taking out the trash of false teaching and replacing it with God's truth. We're your hosts and co-founders of Proverbs 910 Ministries, Rose Spiller and Chris Paxson. Today we begin a series called No Half-Truths Allowed, which is loosely based on our upcoming book, No Half-Truths Allowed, Understanding the Complete Gospel Message, due out in early 2020. Yeah, for the next several weeks, we're going to touch on some points from the book, and hopefully our podcast will entice you to want to dig in even deeper. We begin this episode from the bottom up. Rose, we alluded to this in our first episode, but one thing we've both noticed in now over 20 years of teaching Bible studies is what a person believes affects every area of their life every day. It sure does. Even if you don't use words like doctrine and theology, you do live by a doctrine and you do have a theology. Some may think those words sound stuffy and like they're for old bearded men, so let's simplify them. Doctrine is your set of beliefs, and theology is what you believe about God. Yeah, every single person has a set of beliefs about faith, salvation, Christianity, and certainly everyone has a set of beliefs about God, even atheists. That's right. What you believe to be true is the foundation of how you live. So we need to make sure our doctrine and theology are correct. Over the years, we've seen all kinds of wrong beliefs, lack of biblical knowledge in people, pastors, and sometimes entire churches. It's sad But when it's coming from the pulpit, it gets us angry. It sure does. So, Chris, when it comes to our faith and our beliefs, why do we need to begin at the bottom? We'd probably all agree that any quality project requires some careful planning and some skill. And this is true whether you're making a quilt or building a deck or refinishing furniture. And it has to include a plan for the finished project, the proper tools you need, and the skill to carry it out. And most important, it needs a solid foundation on which to begin. For example, with a deck, you have to pour footers. Without digging down and pouring the concrete, you might find your next party on America's Funniest Home Videos, and you might be watching your guests tumble down into your yard as your deck collapses. But you might win a cash prize. You might. It might be big, too. That (laughs) wouldn't be good. No, no. We don't. We're not advocating building a deck with no footers to win money. (laughs) (laughs) No, I hope not. I think almost every Christian would say they know the gospel message and what they believe. But as we found out when we were doing research for our book, when you ask, Christians give a whole host of really different answers. They sure do. And as important as it is to get the complete gospel message right, we also need to be able to share it and other biblical truths with anyone at a moment's notice. So that requires knowing how to adapt our witness to different audiences without changing the message and being ready for questions and pushback that will surely come sometimes after we share. Yeah, definitely. There are some things our listeners probably should be asking themselves right now. Like, do I really know what I believe and why I believe it? Am I sure I understand the complete gospel message? Am I able to articulate it to different people without changing it? And am I prepared for the questions and pushback that might come? And they will come. And if you're listening and you're not confident about how to answer those questions, you're not alone. That's Mm -hmm. exactly why it's so important to start at the bottom. So, Chris, most of us would probably say that every Christian needs to start by understanding the Bible and Jesus. How do you think Jesus and the Bible is starting at the bottom? Well, we're going to spend an entire episode on Jesus in a couple of weeks. So why don't we just spend today looking at why we need to have scripture as our foundation. I'm thinking of 2 Peter 1 verses 20 and 21, which says, No prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I'm also thinking of 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17, which says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness 
that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So let's dig into these verses a little bit and understand what they're saying. Okay, God, through Peter and Paul, who were the authors of those verses, make it clear that we're to use the word of God as our authority and foundation, not our own interpretation. When it comes to witnessing the complete gospel message or any other biblical truth, we can't make it up. It's too important to not get it right. Mm. I mean, after all, we're talking about where people are going to spend their eternity. Right. I mean, it's always sad that there's many professing Christians, even pastors, and as we said, entire churches who use other things like tradition or experience or emotion and even their personal testimonies as their foundation. Yeah, there is such an epidemic of this garbage. It needs an entire episode. And we will spend the entire next episode talking about it. So we won't go into any detail about it now. But we strongly encourage you to catch the next episode. We sure do. So back to only using scripture. We need to make sure our doctrine, which is our set of beliefs, and our theology, which is our belief about God, line up with what the Bible says. Jesus knew how important this was. He told a parable about it in Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. I'm going to read that now. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew... And beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. These verses are probably a familiar story and song to many of us. I think we'll pass on that. We'll end up (laughs) losing everybody who might be listening. But this parable is often taken out of context. It is. Many think that the two houses represent believers and non-believers, but that's not the case at all. This parable is from the Sermon on the Mount, in which Jesus is specifically speaking to believers. Jesus is using this object lesson about foundation of two houses to illustrate what a believer's foundation should be. Just like doctrine and theology, whether people recognize it or not, Chris, everyone's life is built on a foundation. If you're building your foundation on church tradition, for example, this could look like that you attend church every Sunday and you serve on multiple committees. Seems like the perfect church member. But if this is your foundation, then when your church does away with your committee or asks you to step down from it, it causes anger, resentment, And a lot of times leads to leaving the church because you're standing on the sandy ground of what you have always done, not what Jesus has done for you. That's a great example. And if your foundation is your experiences, then when you have a spiritual dry spell, and you will, at some time that you don't quote unquote feel God's presence, you'll be disillusioned with God and you'll think he's abandoned you. Yeah. And probably the most common sand foundation is emotion, which is another kind of feeling. This kind of takes the form of getting your self-worth from the approval of others, your family, personal gratification, and other things. The problem with this is that emotions shift like the sand, Mm. pun intended. There's no consistency with emotions, and life is tough. People betray you, loved ones can disappoint you, they can die. We can go on and on with the things you could experience. Absolutely. And if you don't have a solid foundation or biblical knowledge, you can and probably will fall prey to any of these kind of foundations. I don't believe any Christian would intentionally build their house on a bad foundation. I don't either. I think the problem is not that they deliberately seek out a bad foundation. The problem is that they're giving no consideration to their foundation. The man in the parable just wanted to get his house up. Building a house on sand is a lot easier than building a house on solid rock. 
For sand, you just need to dig down in the sand and put your house up. A foundation built on rock would require heavy equipment and a lot of hard work to dig down deep to get to the bedrock. And that digging, of course, represents the hard work of reading and studying the Bible. But that's what's needed to keep your faith firm through whatever comes. And when we're talking about understanding the complete gospel message and being able to articulate it to others, having a firm foundation is essential. It's worth the work. When we have a strong foundation, we understand that the Bible is both simple and complex. The gospel message is the simple message of grace that all of our hearts long to hear for God's people. We're great sinners against a holy and almighty God, but through grace, we've been saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that should cause us to repent and live in gratitude for all that Jesus has done for us. We should be cooperating with the Holy Spirit as he transforms us to be more like Jesus knowing we have the promise of eternal life in heaven. Right. But while the Bible and the gospel message is simple, there are many complex facets in it. And the more we delve into those facets and gain an understanding of the theology and doctrine behind each of them, the clearer and simpler it will be to articulate that message to other people. Yeah, it's just a simple fact of life that the more you study and know about something, the simpler and clearer you can explain it to others. We're going to spend several weeks uh, looking at each of these facets and delving into them. And a strong foundation is not just crucial for our understanding and articulating the gospel message, it's essential for everything. There's a lot of garbage being peddled as quote-unquote Christian out there. Having a foundation built on scripture will help us recognize false teaching when we hear that. Yeah, but there still might be some wondering why I go to all this work. I don't need the complete gospel message. I don't need to witness to others. I don't even need to study the Bible to be saved. And that's true. Since salvation is completely from God, our understanding or lack of understanding of scripture is not essential to salvation. But there are good reasons to do the work. First, because God tells us to. <laughs> I mean, yeah, come on. One of the last things Jesus said to his disciples while he was on earth was, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. It wasn't a suggestion, Rose. It was a command. Yeah, because I said so. Right. <laughs> uh, second, the gospel message and the entire message of the Bible is life-saving. Mm -hmm. It's the life-saving, life-transforming message of God. And it's what we need to know to grow in our faith and have an intimate relationship with God. And while God does not need us to save anybody, he gives us the privilege of participating in the process through witnessing the gospel message to others. Rose, I think we should spend some time talking about that witness. I agree. Uh, if you've ever been a part of someone coming to Christ, you know it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever experience. And like Chris said, the Holy Spirit doesn't need us to save anyone. He has to regenerate a person's heart before someone is able to come to Christ. But we have no way of knowing whose heart he may be regenerating at any moment or what seed we may be planting for future regeneration. Right. Therefore, we need to spread the gospel to as many people and as often as we can. We owe it to the person we're witnessing to. And most importantly, we owe it to God to present an accurate and complete gospel message. Some of you may have never thought about this, but the gospel message is both offensive and humbling. Coming to the realization that you were so sinful you deserved God's wrath and that you need someone to save you because you have no hope of doing it yourself is hard. It's hard to initially accept that, even for somebody with a regenerated heart. Yeah, it is. What Jesus did and why he had to do it can be a stumbling block for some people. So let's not make our poor and incomplete witness of the gospel be another stumbling block. I agree. And being a stumbling block and presenting a poor and incomplete gospel message brings us to another point. You know, Chris, there's a lot of Christians who aren't comfortable giving the complete gospel message. They don't want to tell people that they're dead in their sins and they deserve God's wrath. Or they don't want to accept, or that if they don't accept and acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're going to go to hell. Instead, 
They like to focus on God being love, which he is, but they ignore the rest of it. What do you think of people using one-liners like God loves you or Jesus is waiting for you to come to him? You think there's any danger in that? Well, first of all, think about it, Rose. Even from just a common sense standpoint, what is someone actually supposed to do with either one of those statements alone? If someone gets told God loves you, what's the response? Great (laughs) or awesome? Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, or thank you. But the Bible never says... Thinking that it's awesome that God loves you is how you're saved. And the other statement is not any better, even though it does mention Jesus. If you say to someone, Jesus is just waiting for you to come to him, their first thought's probably going to be, why? Or what for? (laughs) If I didn't know any better, that's what I would think. In neither case has anyone told anyone why Jesus died, let alone anything about salvation. But this is the type of crap people pass off for actually sharing the gospel message. And when you logically think most of these one-liner gospel messages through, they're almost laughable, except it's so sad because of what we're talking about. Yeah, one of the things we said at the beginning of the episode was it's important to be able to articulate the gospel message to different audiences without changing the message. Paul's an excellent example of this. In the book of Acts in his epistles, definitely worth the read. He uses different methods of witnessing depending on his audience, but the actual gospel message never changes. So on that thought, Chris, what are some different types of audiences we could find ourselves witnessing to? What are some alterations we may need to make in our delivery? Well, since we just talked about one-liners, let's talk about a popular one-liner that's taught to children in evangelical Christianity. Many pastors and Sunday school teachers tell children, just ask Jesus into your heart. And that might actually be one of the worst one-liners out there. Yeah, it might be. And it's not the gospel. And it doesn't save children or adults or anyone for that matter. Small children get told to ask Jesus into their hearts and older children get taught to have a good moral character and act like a Christian to be saved. Or that's effectively what a lot of them get taught today, even in Sunday school. Fair enough. So how should we tailor our gospel message when speaking to children or teens? Children are sinners, just like you and I. They're born that way. I've even heard them referred to recently by some pastors as vipers and diapers. (laughs) And I know that sounds funny, but there's some truth in that. Regardless, they're not born innocent like the world tells us they are. No one has to teach a child to do bad things. Yeah, no sane parent would do that. No, no same parent would do that. Children do bad things without being taught because, like us, they have an inborn sin nature. We need to tell them this so that they come to understand that they need forgiveness from God for their sin so that they can have their relationship with him fixed. They need to understand that the only way that that can happen is by accepting that Jesus paid the penalty for their sin in their place and that by believing and trusting in Jesus' perfect righteousness is how they are saved. We need to tell them they could never be good enough on their own. But Jesus was already perfect for them and he died in their place. That's what their hope needs to be based in, just like adults. So how do we incorporate this into the children's Bible stories that are taught every Sunday morning around the world? We still need to teach them to children. We need to teach them the children's Bible stories, but those stories should always point to Jesus and his finished work on the cross, not to the moral behavior of the central character in the story. Daring to be a Daniel won't save them. So while our delivery is age-appropriate, children deserve and need to hear the true gospel message, not a watered-down one-liner that they won't understand anyway. That's an excellent example. So we're going to end this episode now and wrap it up by reiterating that while you don't need to know the complete gospel message or even study the Bible to be saved, you do need both in order to grow in your faith. If not, to quote another parable of Jesus, you'll be like the seed the farmer threw on the thorny ground. The seeds sprung up, but because they had no roots, when the sun scorched them, 
they withered and died. Our foundation, our roots, our bottom is our faith and knowledge of what we believe and what we know about God. To quote Charles Spurgeon, if you sincerely believe a lie, you will suffer the consequences. You must not only be sincere, you must be right. Spurgeon always nails it. He does. Well, thanks for tuning in today. Join us for the next episode as we look at how tradition, emotions, experiences, and personal testimonies have perverted the witness of the complete gospel message. If you have any questions or feedback from this episode, please comment below. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our website, www.proverbs910ministries.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a blessed day.